This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Dr. Alice Pickering. Dr. Alice is a clinical psychologist who has recently specialized her practice in maternal mental health. She's here to join us today to talk about postpartum stress syndrome, otherwise known as postpartum adjustment disorder. We're going to go through the symptoms of what this looks like and how it differs from postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And we're also going to go through some of the practical things that you can do at home to improve how you're feeling if you are struggling with adjusting to motherhood. Before diving into the interview, I just want to quickly read a review from iTunes. I love the feedback that you guys are leaving me there, so make sure to head over to iTunes and leave a review if you are enjoying these episodes. This one comes from K.M. Davidson. These are the conversations we need to be having about motherhood. I am so grateful to Erica for this brilliant content. Let's reduce the stigmas around the struggles of motherhood. Must listen. Thank you so much for that review. I appreciate you guys, and I love that you're tuning in and spreading the word. Now let's hear from Dr. Alice. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Dr. Alice, thank you so much for joining me today. You and I have been building a relationship, dare I say, friendship through Instagram over the last several months, and I so much appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So I love to ask people when they join the podcast what it is they do and how they became passionate about it and how they specialized in their field. So for you with psychology and maternal mental health, how did you come into the specialty that you're in? Yeah, so really it just started from a um, my own experiences in becoming a mom. I would have never in a million years... Um, I don't think I would have ever imagined myself working with moms. You know, I was so passionate about working with um, uh, like in a forensic setting. And that's a lot of what I was doing beforehand. And after I became a mom, I think just going through my own experiences and my own journey, um, it just led me to this newfound passion. And I just realized that, holy crap, being a mom is freaking hard. Um, It's accompanied by so many different emotional, physical, social demands. And um, 
as I just started to kind of learn more about um, mental health issues um, or problems in moms, I started to, you know, just resonate a lot more with uh, some of those experiences personally. And from there, it kind of just, you know, took fire inside and I just decided to, to go with it. You know, I just felt like it was something that was put on my heart. That's so interesting. That's quite a uh, like change from forensic psychology to this field. Like for those who aren't familiar with what forensic environment might look like or forensic psychology, can you explain that setting a little bit? Yes. So before um, I was working in a state hospital setting and in the state hospital setting, um, this is where you have individuals who maybe often are court ordered for treatment Um Right. It's just a very different environment. And um, it's individuals who have severe um, mental health issues or mental health problems, um, whether that's ranging from psychotic disorders, um, a lot of psychotic disorders in nature. Um, and so, also from a forensic standpoint, um, doing more evals, evaluations, and um, restoration to competency, right? So really just a, a very, very different focus on on things. <laughs> right. Totally different. Like a lot more assessment, a lot more uh, maybe yes. like formal diagnosis, multiple professionals involved, that type of thing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Working in a multidisciplinary setting with um, psychiatry, social work, rehabilitation, um, medicine, psychology, it's, it's, you know, you've got, um, a whole, a whole crew in line. Yeah. And then, then you became a mom and you've got a little one. How, how old is your little one now? And she just turned nine months old. Oh my goodness. She's still like, she's not quite squishy anymore, but she's still little. That's so sweet. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So nine months. (laughs) Yeah. And since you've been on this path and I've been on this maternal mental health path as well, that's how we came to link up. I feel like there's like a core group of us, like kind of maternal mental health, uh, like ID accounts now. Um, And so we have been connected through that and had lots of different conversations about all so many different things. But today we're hoping to focus on something that you brought to my attention actually, and I'm not super familiar with, so I'm excited for us to talk this out more, is postpartum stress syndrome. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what the heck does that mean? Yeah. So um, if you're looking through DSM or ICD-10 criteria, it's going to be called adjustment disorder. However, um, uh, Karen Kleiman, who's a specialist, you know, in the field of maternal mental health, um, coined her and her colleague coined the term postpartum stress syndrome, which I feel like, um, can resonate with so many mothers in this period of adjusting to the new role of becoming a mother. And so um, an adjustment disorder by nature, right, its core feature is a significant emotional or behavioral symptoms. Usually they're depressive or anxious in nature that they develop after an identifiable stressor. So 
life with a newborn, that's a huge change, right? So that can be a stressor. Um, And so with an adjustment disorder, we're looking at some type of difficulty or impairment in daily functioning, um, in performing routines, in right social settings and occupational functioning, um, and maybe not so much to the extent of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, um, but it could be a precursor to maybe later developing either PPA or PPD, if um, things aren't being properly managed or addressed. So as you're describing this like adjustment disorder, adjustment to motherhood, like I have a couple of questions that come up in my mind. You touched on it a little bit, but one of the things that I encounter when I'm talking with moms a lot is like how they differentiate all of these different things postpartum, right? Like how do they differentiate baby blues versus postpartum Mm -hmm. depression? How would we like in this specific situation differentiate like maladaptive adjustment or like some sort of challenge adjusting to motherhood from like what is average? Yeah. So that is such a great question. And I think that's something that definitely comes up when we're looking at an adjustment disorder. Um, And sometimes um, the border between an adjustment disorder and ordinary postpartum adjustments may simply be clarified by the notion that having an adjustment disorder implies that the intensity, the duration, or the severity of the symptoms that you're having. So some of those depressions and anxious symptoms are intense enough for you to justify getting clinical attention or some type of treatment around it. Okay. And it would be different from postpartum depression or anxiety in the sense that the onset is because of the the big transition. Correct. That is correct. And um, when you're looking at diagnostic criteria, you're experiencing maybe some of those depressive and, and anxious symptoms, but it's not to the extent to meet diagnostic criteria for postpartum depression or for postpartum anxiety. It's such an interesting concept because it's really kind of this like gray in between. Definitely, right? yes. Yeah, because like, and I, I don't like, and I'm just thinking of my experience um, in working with moms and in this field, which I'm newer to maternal mental health, but even just in the field in general, adjustment disorder doesn't get diagnosed that often in the practice that I work in. Okay. Um. And I've certainly never really heard it like attributed to this type of transition in life, right? Because it's like there is this sense with moms, and this is something that we're encountering in maternal mental health, is that like you become a mom and you you deal with the consequences of motherhood, right? Like there's there hasn't been a lot of focal like focused attention on mom's mental right. health. Right. So I don't know if it's just like, do you have know the prevalence, and I don't mean to like quiz you, but do you have prevalence rates for adjustment disorder? Yeah. And do you know? Yes. So in adjustment disorder, it's about one in five individuals who are diagnosed with an adjustment disorder in one in five um, when we're looking at moms. 
specifically. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. And in um, mental health settings, just kind of across the board, um, even outside of the realm of motherhood, it is one of the most common, at least here in the United States, um, it's one of the most common diagnoses that um, someone will someone will receive or that we encounter. Um, so whether that's, that's really interesting, Yeah, whether that it comes up, you know, if somebody's going through a divorce or if somebody, um, you know, moved to a different state and students, um, leaving home and going to college. Right. So, um, there's so many times in our life where we're going through adjustments and during certain times we are able to, better manage and better handle situations. And then other times it kind of goes a little bit beyond that where we're, we're struggling much, much more than what would be expected for whatever that stressor is. Hmm. That's really interesting. Like I'm thinking about just several clients and experiences in my own mind where an adjustment disorder may have been an appropriate diagnosis for that client, but often the diagnosis here tends to be more like anxiety or depression mm-hmm. or like the adjustment itself isn't really um, – kind of like acknowledged as much. And this is just in my limited experience yeah. like in the, within my field, right? Like I don't know what it is across like Ontario or whatever. Right. But, um, but it's really interesting because there's something about saying, you know, this is due to the circumstance that you're going through. Correct. Right? Like it normalizes like having a, not like a reason or a why necessarily, but just having a way to frame it and see it can be so helpful. I totally agree. And I think, um, you know, there is kind of this idea on adjustment disorder or postpartum stress syndrome on, you know, like, are we pathologizing um, what may be a normal adjustment process, right? And so that that question does come up. But I, I truly believe that a diagnosis of an adjustment disorder, and I don't know, maybe in the future, a new name may be a little more appropriate for it. I don't know what that would look like. Um, but I think it actually does quite the opposite. And it acknowledges, in particular for the instance of becoming a mother, it acknowledges the stress of becoming a mother or you know the challenges that accompany life with a newborn. And it just acknowledges that that can take so much adjustment. Um, and it, it's letting us know that the individual who's receiving that diagnosis is going through a very, very difficult time adapting. Um, you know, and so much so to the point where we can we can come in and we can intervene and we can offer some type of support or some type of help in order to to potentially alleviate any symptoms from getting worse. As you're talking, it's making me think about, I did a poll on my Instagram a few months Mm -hmm. back because someone had asked a question like, how do you manage going back to work when you're, you know, you've been on maternity leave, you've been breastfeeding, you've been home with baby. Like, how do you manage that? And my like knee jerk reaction was to talk from like my experience. And I very quickly realized, wait a minute, 
like we're very privileged here in Canada to have 12 months, 12 to 18 months maternity, depending on what you choose to uh, yes, take. Yes, that is so beautiful. I like hear that and I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Right. And so pretty much by the time you hit 12 months, like you're more than ready to go back to work generally. Like, you know, like you have been home, you have been you and baby 12 months or 18 months if that is what you choose to take. So like in my experience, going back to work actually brought some like adult conversation and all of these different things that I had been lacking in 12 months. But I can't even imagine at the norm that came up in the poll for me. And again, these are not like hardcore statistics, right. but um, is that people were going back somewhere in around like the eight week to 12 week period. Correct. And that was kind of from like all around the world, right? So the US and like all over different mm-hmm. countries. And I, I cannot like imagine mm-hmm. your little squishy baby that like is still feels like an organ that's like outside of your body that people are handling (laughs) and you've got to like leave it in the care of somebody else and go back to work that in itself when we're talking adjustment disorder like I don't even know how to wrap my mind around that right like and women do it every single day and they're supposed to integrate back into work as an employee that can compartmentalize the fact that they're a mother and they've got like their organs sitting at home in the care of somebody else because it's like such a fresh little babe, Correct. you know? Yeah. And I, I can totally see how there is a need for or how this could be a prevalent diagnosis amongst moms because how do you, how do you cope with that? Like that's, that's intense. Yeah, right? exactly. And and we're asking or, you know, this mom is, she just became a mom, right? And then maybe eight, like two months to three months later is then going back to work. And like you said, trying to compartmentalize these different parts of who she is. Um, I mean, those are two very big stressors, right? And then in addition to that, you know, maybe learning how to navigate breastfeeding, pumping, or introducing formula, you know, if there's just so, so much that goes on with that, um, that it's, it's, it can start to take a toll on a mother's mental health, um, more than what would be expected for, for that period of time, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And if you think about like eight weeks, some have gone back, like some moms that go back at like four and five weeks, you have hardly even physically healed by that point. Correct. Right? Totally. Like if you've had a tear, if you've had stitches or if you're still bleeding, like all of these things. So you are hardly like adjusted to the concept of motherhood. Mm -hmm. And then you're having to go and reintegrate back into your workplace and like juggle all of what comes with that, depending on where you Mm -hmm. work. So I think that this is such an important topic that we're discussing, especially if someone is really struggling and if they don't get help with that adjustment, and we're going to go into it in a minute and talk about some of the treatment and how we can help. But, But if they don't, I can see how this can lead into more significant forms of anxiety or depression. Right? Like if not coped with. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we we talked about the transition of moms going back to work. I also think on the flip side, you have the transition of maybe a mom who's been incredibly successful in her career 
and now makes the decision to stay home, right? And and adjusting to life at home and what that looks like. Yeah. So um, I'm just thinking about it because I know a couple of like, um, like other women who I've met through Instagram as well have like these successful careers they went to school for and did all of this studying for and then Mm -hmm. decided to be stay at home moms. And it's like, how do you make that kind of decision? Number one, like that there must be such an internal sort of not struggle within yourself, but there's a lot you have to weigh and come to terms with to make a decision like that. If you've been so mm-hmm. after your career, right? right? And then, yeah, like I think about my own experience when I had my first child, and he will be five in like the new year sometimes. So he, like, it's been five years now, <laughs> but I had been working two or three jobs. I had been in school and studying and working and for like my whole uh-huh. life, right? Like nonstop, really career oriented, really goal A type personality, like didn't stop for like anything. Right. And then this little baby comes along and I'm like, oh my gosh, what do you mean? I'm like, not that I have to take a year off of work because I understand that it's a privilege, but I was like, what am I going to do at home for a year? Like, <laughs> what? And I just, and I don't mean this is like, it's not a complaint. Right. Like, I know it, I'm fortunate, right? But in my own type of personality and lifestyle and everything, like I actually had to wrap my mind around what that was going to look like. And I was quite uncomfortable and we stayed on the go a lot in that initial mat leave because I just like, could not wrap my mind around it. And as I have like adjusted and as I have more kids and we're more like homebound and I've learned to adjust and and juggle it all. But I was totally that like really a type person that was like, what do you mean? Like be at home? What does that, what does that look like? I don't know what that means. Right. (laughs) Right. And trying to make sense of what that role entails. Yeah. Yeah, because I was not, like, my best friend and I joke because she, like, wanted to grow up and have, like, a little village of children, right? (laughs) Like, she wanted to have four or five kids, Uh and she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and she loves to cook and bake. And I was, like, not even thinking about children until we got married, and we're like, hmm, you know, this would be the time that we would start to think about whether we're going to do this, (laughs) Right. right? Like, so very opposite in terms of just our lifestyles or priorities or whatever. So, yeah. So when when I had to like start to really incorporate, okay, what is this going to look like? It was very different where she had thought about it her whole life, what that was going to look like. Right, right. right. Yeah. So, okay. So we understand what postpartum stress syndrome is and why it's important to recognize the need – like recognize the importance of this adjustment in mom's lives. Yes, totally. And I think um, to kind of just make it a little more applicable, um, I wanted to kind of, right, because it's this in-between, right, where I think often it's it's moms who just feel like they're in a constant fog, right? Like, Like things aren't bad, but they're not great either. And, and there's this feeling that, you know, it's like, gosh, like, I just, I know something is off. I know I'm not feeling 100% and something is going on, but 
I'm also not like in the depths of a depressive episode or, you know, experiencing panic attacks and and struggling to manage my day to day. So Hmm. it's, it's just, it's this ongoing like feeling of a fog that you just feel like you can't get out of, you know, and, and, and we start to question, gosh, does it ever get better? Like, is this what it's like being a mom? Like, this isn't, this isn't that great, you know, but it's also not terrible. And I love my child. So it's kind of, um, really that middle ground between, um, right. Like embracing motherhood and going with it to then, um, on the other end of things where you're struggling a lot with managing the emotions and experiencing either postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days, Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com momwell. ZocDoc.com momwell. Mealtime with kids can be stressful. But with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, 
on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. It's interesting that you say that because I've had several conversations this week specifically about mummy brain mm-hmm. or like fog. Yes. You know? Um specifically yesterday about like um with a good friend of mine who is like do i am i am i depressed or am i like do i just need more self care like there was this very yeah. like in between place um but like she also talked a bit about like some like mummy rage and irritability yeah. so is that a part of this as well irritability would mm-hmm, you say definitely yeah and yeah. At 100% and it sounds like um you know kind of what you described with your friend is this postpartum stress syndrome like this adjustment type of struggle yeah that's really interesting cuz that mummy brain and fog comes up a lot even like in clients when I work with. So that is a good kind of like alarm bell, you know. Yes. If you're not it's not that you're maybe so depressed or anxious that you're like not leaving the house Correct. or you are having a hard time like getting up and showering, but if you feel like really mummy brain, foggy, irritable, like kind of not yourself but again, not to the extent of being mm-hmm. depressed. Yes. Right? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're in this place. We're in this struggle to adjust and we've recognized it now. And what do I do with that then if I'm a mom? How do I move forward through that? Yeah. So gosh, right. This is kind of like the meat and bones of I think what we're going to be talking about here because um, right, we've identified, okay, something isn't great. Like I, I know I need some type of extra support. I need help getting through this period. I know that I can be an incredible mom and I want to be an incredible mom. How can I get there? Um, so right, first and foremost, like therapy and, and so individual psychotherapy is always, always an incredible option. If you have the time, the resources, the availability, right, to be able to follow through on that. And so um, from an individual therapy perspective, right, there's different therapeutic approaches, CBT, um, interpersonal therapy, supportive psychotherapy, psychoeducation, right, that can take on so many different forms, um, or even group therapy, so from a therapeutic realm, there's a lot that can be done in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, I think about even like a an adjustment to motherhood, like maternal mental health group would be an amazing resource. Abs- I mom. agree. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Like even um, it wouldn't have to be like a... Yeah, like there's no like formalized like mental health challenge, but it's like we're all 
adjusting to this and and everyone's experience bringing that sharing that in a collaborative group effort would be really powerful yeah I think it can be really impactful too um, in terms of of bringing moms together who who are in this fog right right um and I think some other right some things that you can do for yourself at home i think one of the biggest things is really building that support system for yourself getting together with other moms getting to know other moms who can relate that who you can relate to you know um yeah. and whether that's finding a local support group um, but really just connecting with other moms and having a support system to help get you through this period of time. I think that could be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. So the idea being that this is situational, mm-hmm. right, in nature. And as we move through this situation, um, things should progressively get better. That, yes. Is that That's right? right. Yeah. And if they progressively get worse, then we're talking more um, like potentially meeting the criteria for postpartum depression or anxiety. Yes, correct. Okay. But if we're going through this adjustment and we're struggling but we're like functioning, then bulking up things like our personal supports, seeing a therapist – um, supports at home or like advocating for our needs with our partner yes. in terms of, you know, trying to get some like fit in a nap or have some quiet time alone for a little bit or a break or a timeout, like these types of things. Yes, yes. And I think um one of the biggest things that is is accompanied too with someone going through this adjustment disorder is this image of being the perfect mother. And I mean, we all know that the perfect mother does not exist, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, yes, we are all the perfect mothers for our children. But this idea and striving to be the perfect mother, the perfect wife, the perfect employee um, is unattainable. And so um, in this period of adjustment, I think we, we so much have to adjust our standards and our expectations, um, pause for a minute and stop putting so much on our plates, right? Like physically, right. we cannot do it all. And so recognizing a part of that can help to alleviate so much of those anxious feelings that can come up or some of those um, symptoms of depression or cognitive thoughts of, gosh, I'm not good enough and beating ourselves up because of that. I think that's a really important point because we all come into motherhood with an idea or an expectation of what it will look like and how we will be and how we will be able to manage, Mm -hmm. right? And there are all of these, like, jokes and memes that you see around, like, oh, you know, before I had kids, I said I would never let my kid watch TV, and then I became a parent right. or whatever, right? So our, like, the the ideal or the expectation going in, like, the reality are two very different things. 
and how to adjust our expectations to the reality of the situation Mm -hmm. is like a very common work that I'm doing with clients in all different situations of life because we have our own ideals and our own expectations. So I think that you hit the nail right on the head there in terms of, well, I want to have a clean house and these, right. you know, all of these things on the go and I shouldn't be struggling or I shouldn't feel like, you know, it's not inherently coming to me breastfeeding, right? right. Or I don't feel as bonded to my baby as I should feel. And like all of these shoulds and expectations mm-hmm. leave us feeling disappointed and struggling during this transition. Absolutely. One of the things that I was also thinking about as you were talking is, okay, so we can have this struggle, like this adjustment to motherhood, this struggle in this transition. Would you say that a mother who is having their their second or third child could like re-experience this or experience it for the first time on like a third baby type of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. And so um I think too oftentimes when we encounter this, we we see it a lot in first-time moms, right? Because adjusting to a newborn is like there's just so much to learn in that process. Um, and then couple that with the pressure that a mom puts on herself can really, really start to um, dampen her spirit and and introduce some of these emotional symptoms that maybe a mom has never really quite experienced before. Um, and so it's seen often in first time moms, but it can absolutely be seen in moms who, um, you know, maybe they go from having one child to then having twins or triplets, right? And that is a right. huge adjustment. Or even from having two children and, you know, you've a become accustomed to living life with two children and now you have a third and and you're trying to make sense of how in the world life is going to look like with a third child. Um, so really, I think it can happen at any point in time for sure. Hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if um, whether pregnancy is planned or unplanned may even be like, I don't know what the risk factors would be in, in you know, experiencing this, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that there are things like lack of support going into the postpartum period probably plays a really big role, supportive very, partner or yes. like, yeah, or partner there at all, right? Yes. Um, what other types of sort of risk factors or things might affect this, do you think? Yeah. So I think when we're looking at risk factors, it can be similar to risk factors for postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, right? Whether that's um, financial resources, um, emotional support and emotional resources, um, having uh, a history even of former mental health symptoms or a history, maybe somebody in the family having various mental health symptoms, um, even if you haven't personally experienced any up until this point. Um, So I think a lot of those emotional uh, and physical resources uh, can be be risk factors. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, so to circle back around in terms of treatment, we were talking about how like one-on-one with a therapist is obviously ideal if you have the resources. Um, and one of the things to mention too is that there can be um, subsidized resources or like sliding fee scale resources through some of the colleges or universities in your area. They'll maybe have mm-hmm. a team of student PhDs and things like that. So uh, I know that in our region, they also have through, um, I guess, like our local government or whatever through the city, uh-huh. they have um, subsidized resources. So you pay based on income and things like that. So there are resources to get individualized care if you kind of know where to look and navigate. So, but I know across the board, universities and colleges generally are a good resource to, to research and look into. Yes. Um, but aside from individual resources, some of the self-care and things, strategies that we were talking about at home, would someone speak to their doctor about this to try medication? Or it, it, you had also said at one point, like, people get taken off of work on leave for adjustment disorders. So at what point do they talk to their doctor and what would that conversation kind of look like? Do you? Yeah. So um, this is where I think just diagnosis across the board, we have to just be so careful as providers when we offer any type of diagnosis, right? Um, Because treatment can look so different. Um, And when you're looking at an adjustment disorder, psychotropic medications like antidepressants um, in research is actually not properly supported to use that form of of treatment. And in that extent, we would be over-treating symptoms. Um, Hmm. So this is where I think it's so, so important that we we are so careful when we offer any type of diagnosis. Um, and, and with an adjustment disorder, uh, research more solidly supports the use of psychotherapy um, wow. as, as a form of treatment. And that, that's not to say, you know, everybody responds so differently. But when we're looking at the research, and we're dealing with an adjustment disorder, um, psychotropic medications are, in a sense, contraindicated um, as, as, a, as an intervention. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yes. And it sounds like, it sounds like because there aren't necessarily those extreme physiological symptoms and things either. Right. 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 So it's not necessarily like warranted, but if it was a prolonged struggle and it got more into those types of symptoms that again are more extreme and and are under like PPD and PPA, then, then it might be warranted, but it is um, not like, it's like a kind of a bit of an overstep or like a upfront. Yes treatment. Interesting. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. And so um, I do think if somebody is going to talk to their provider about it too, and this is where I feel like, um, I think this is where I can really appreciate a lot of kind of like this takeoff on Instagram and therapists being more integrated on Instagram and offering information because then a mother can really learn to advocate for herself. It's hard to advocate for yourself if you're not educating yourself or if you're 
um, not aware of the information that is out there, right? Right. Totally. So totally. And like I've been in the mental health field for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And until I had my own children and started to research maternal mental health, didn't even really know that this was like a thing. Right. You know, I was in like a children and family practice and and this specialty wasn't even on my radar. And I've been in the field for 10 years. So like moms just cannot be expected to know these things. And that's, I think, why we've gotten such a great response on Instagram from moms because they're like, finally, like mm-hmm. there is like words to my experience. Like I'm being seen. I'm being understood. I'm being supported by other moms now who are understanding as well, Correct. right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I know. Like I love Instagram for that. Like I, I've learned so much from colleagues and it's so silly that it's just this social app, but what what a powerful resource it has been. I agree. So. I agree. And so I think um, the best thing is sort of for a mom, right? And it's kind of like this fine line between, okay, yes, you want to educate yourself, but then you also, right, you don't want to use what you're learning to self-diagnose. Like that's not okay either. <laughs> right. 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 So. Right. I remember when I was like doing a psychology 101 in my undergrad like years and years ago. Um, no, it was it was like a I can't remember the name of the class, but we were going through all of like the psychotic diagnoses and like all these. You're like things. abnormal and psychology, like, maybe? Yes. yes. Sorry. Thank uh-huh. you. I'm like, what is the term I'm looking at? It was that long ago, Alice. Okay. I can't, I can't but yeah. And you also teach, yes. don't you? So yeah. And like, I'm actually yeah. I'm actually teaching abnormal psychology right now. So are you? There you go. I'm like, what is this word I'm looking for? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and my professor at the time was like, be prepared. You are all going to feel like you have all of these different things, <laughs> yes. you know, because we grasp onto things that are like familiar with our experience, right? Mm-hmm. So that comes back to what you were just saying about Instagram. The danger is like over-associating with yes. some of these things or like, yeah, using these things to, to self-diagnose. It's really a great resource. And then you can take it and advocate for yourself. Yes. And- do some screenings with your doctor or your therapist or your, you know, professional mm-hmm. to really understand through some assessment or some data or some conversations or whatever, whether this is something that applies to you or not. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So in thinking about wrapping things up, I always love to, like at the end, if there was something that you might want to leave moms with or that you might want to encourage them in or say to them, um, what might you want to leave them with today? Yeah, I think, um, you know, during this time of stepping into motherhood or um, managing just so many different types of adjustments, I think the biggest thing is it's so important for moms to take care of themselves. So take care of you you know, um, start tuning into what your needs are. Um, allow yourself to meet those needs for yourself, right? Like sometimes that can be so hard for moms to do. And so maybe that looks like stepping out of autopilot, right? Being intentional about your schedule or developing a routine, 
holding yourself accountable to that, um, you know, or even just setting small little goals for yourself without trying to like take on the world every single day, you know, Mm -hmm. um, setting appropriate boundaries and learning, learning that it's okay to meet your needs first before somebody else's. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think too, at the end of the day, like practicing mindfulness for maintaining yourself in the present moment, right? Not thinking so much about the past and not thinking so far into the future um, that you become so incredibly anxious because of the fear that can cripple you, um, right? I think it's just learning how to be present in those moments um, and really tuning into what your needs are. Hmm. Yeah. And for moms who don't have a solid, um, like maybe grasp on mindfulness practically and what that looks like, because it's a really big buzzword right now, mm-hmm. right? Um, what might be as we wrap up one little, not like homework exercise, because I've never dished out homework on here before, <laughs> but like I'm totally that type of therapist that's like, you know, here's your homework <laughs> for the week. But um, but if we were to leave them with a challenge, let's say, because this is not therapy, but um, what sort of practical exercise, like how can mindfulness be integrated in a practical way for a mom, like a simple thing they can do? Yeah. So I like to incorporate my, like personally, a lot of mindfulness with grounding techniques too. Um, But I think if a thought comes up, um, you know, I'm, I forgot to do the dishes or I didn't do the dishes. I'm such a bad mom. Um, Cutting Mm. out that last part, right. And just leaving it at, I didn't do the dishes today and not assigning like a label or a meaning to that, that action. Okay. You, Mm -hmm. you didn't do the dishes. That's it. Like, you know, it's like being aware and like giving yourself some permission and not being judgmental. Yes. And so that's just being mindful. Being mindful is exactly that, right? I didn't do the dishes, period. We're not, right. we're not going back and, oh, my gosh, like, I didn't do the dishes. This means I'm so terrible. Um, you know, things right. are never going to get done around the house and, like, spiraling. <laughs> and so I think right. just that little tidbit of when we find ourselves trying to spiral down to really just take those moments for what they are. You know, I didn't do the mm-hmm. laundry today. I'm, like how am I ever going to like do anything if I can't even do laundry? Right. Right. So, and just leaving it at, I didn't do laundry today and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay that I didn't do the laundry today. Yeah. That's such a great example that I think that every mom can relate to. And I think that when we hear mindfulness, we think that we have to go into some like meditative type of state, you know, like that's, that's what's associated with mindfulness. But really it's like, it's an awareness Mm -hmm. of your thoughts 
and your judgments towards yourself or whether you have compassion with yourself that day. Yes. Um, knowing the context of how you're feeling in your environment that day. Did you wake up kind of happy or sad or irritable? Do you have a headache? Yes. How is that going to impact how you function that day without judgment? Exactly. Right? Like just with an awareness and sort of adapting to that as best as you can without judgment on yourself. So I really appreciate that example and for you clarifying mm-hmm. that. So where can people find you? Where do you hang out? What are you up to online? Yeah. So, okay, my Instagram account or my handle is momdocpsychology. So that's where I post um, almost daily, you know, uh, resources for moms, encouragement for moms. And that is where I'm usually hanging out in, in the world I love of it. the internet, you know. I know. In our little corner of the internet, we're trying to carve out. I love Mm -hmm. it. And I loved your campaign. You recently did the I Get To with Gratitude, um, talking about all the little things throughout the day, you know, that that practicing gratitude can have a a big effect on our mood and how we feel. And it was interesting because I was seeing you sharing the stories and the different people who were partaking. And I would go throughout my day and I was like, oh, this is an annoying task or whatever. And like I would reframe it because of this challenge that we were doing. And I'm like, oh, but you know, like there's this part of this that I can like really appreciate and whatever. And I'm like, this girl, <laughs> she's on me over here doing my own work, which is great. I love oh it. You know? goodness, that cracks me up. Yes. Yeah. It's like, I know it's it just a, such small things, you know, that can make some of the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Alice, thank you so much for spending your time here with us today. This has been such a valuable conversation and I know that we'll cross paths lots in the future and I hope to have you back again soon. Thank you so much, Erica. I so appreciate your time and I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Thank you. can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.